And our scripture reading coming from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning in verse 25. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now discussion about purification rose between John's disciples and a Jew. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan to whom you testified, here he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, no one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So before our bishop of the Oklahoma United Methodist Church here ever appointed me as a senior pastor, they appointed me a couple of times as associate pastors. But those two appointments stretched out to be nearly 20 years. I really loved being an associate pastor. I enjoyed the different roles I was able to play. Many of those years were spent here at Boston Avenue. Over 13 of those years, I was an associate here at Boston Avenue under the leadership of Dr. Biggs. It was a great time in ministry for me. But during that time, usually there were eight of us who were associate ministers here on staff. I saw a number of them come and go during my 13-plus year tenure here. One thing I observed for many of them is they became confused about their role while they were here. This is sort of how this would play out. They would be here for a while as an associate, and then they would disagree with something the senior pastor decided. Sometimes they began to think not only did they disagree with that, but they disagreed with some other things, and in fact, maybe they could run this church better than the senior pastor. Well, I'll tell you, that takes you down a bad path. They became confused about their role. They began to engage in behavior that was not productive. It's a hard place to see a friend and a colleague find themselves so confused about what their call or their assignment or their role is to be. In our text today, we have some of that. But as we think about those people I knew, I need to recognize i put this in your outline because of their confusion about their role they ended up with the wrong focus i think some of these disciples of john the baptist that we read about here in john 3 this morning are on the verge of making the same mistake they come to john it seems like a little bit upset They realize Jesus is now baptizing. More people are headed over to see him than are coming to see them. And John the Baptist, they want to know, John, what are you going to do about that? Well, he gives a variety of answers when he responds to them. I want us to focus, though, on that very last sentence, that last verse we read, verse 30. He simply says, he must increase but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. What I want us to notice 
is how clear John is about his role. John is living in the present. He is living in the present moment. He says, in fact, I am happy about what God is doing. I'm happy about what Jesus is doing. He is so very clear about his role. He says, I've been called. I was sent ahead of time. Oh, yes, I was a witness. I testified to what God was doing in Jesus. But now he must increase, and I must decrease. So I was reading through this text. I began to wonder, what if we could apply that kind of insight, that kind of clarity to our own important relationships? Too often we fail to live in the present. So often the troubles we're struggling with have to do with something that's not yet happened or even more often something that happened well in the past that we have yet to deal with. So often it has to do with unmet expectations, things we wanted from someone else that never came to pass. In my very first appointment out of seminary, I was at a church that had a counseling center About half of my time was spent counseling individuals, couples, families, make appointments, meet with these clients, help them work through their problems. I was really surprised at how often the problem that they brought was not so much about current issues or behavior, but about something that happened in the past, how it didn't match the expectation, an expectation they'd brought into the relationship or maybe one they weren't even aware of that they were putting on the other person. So often the trouble they were struggling with was about something they had hoped for that never happened. One couple that came, married couple, they had lots of problems. We tried to sort out all the different things that were going on. But then one day when I was meeting with her alone for a session, she came out with it. She said, I'm just so disappointed. I can't get over it. He just doesn't make enough money. They had been married for nearly 15 years. When they were dating, she told me he had so much money. He was always spending money on me. I thought it would always be like that. But the economy had turned shortly after they married. He'd never had the same kind of cash flow that they had had when they were dating. She spent about a half an hour lamenting that shortage of cash. But realized that had happened over 10 years ago. She was still stuck on that one issue. And it was creating all kinds of other problems in their relationship. She couldn't get past that. She couldn't grieve what had happened to receive what she could have had. Often families would come in, usually with a teenager as an identified patient as the problem. But so often as we talked about what was going on in their family constellation, what would come out is that one parent or the other or both had expectations for the child in terms of things they had hoped for before the child was ever born that had not come to pass. I remember one family in particular, the dad had been a sports star of sorts. He just knew this son that was born was going to be like him and maybe even greater. He was going to be a star and go on to play college, maybe professional sports. 
you know what? The child didn't like sports. He was a very bright young man, but he liked music. He liked playing the violin and the piano and singing. Instead of the jet dad being able to enjoy all the gifts of his son, he was stuck in what he had hoped for, what he had expected. Dad talked to me. I talked with him. But dad could never embrace the fact because he was still focused on complaining that the boy didn't want to throw the ball around. So he never was able to fully enjoy the gifts that God had given his son that were being manifest in such a variety of different ways, but not the ones the dad had hoped for in the beginning. There have been so many losses through the pandemic we have lost so much we have had unmet expectations jen prayed about some of those in the sermon this morning it's easy to get caught in the past and to be caught complaining about what might have been instead of living what is I can think of John the Baptist and how easily it would have been for him when those disciples came to him to begin complaining, to join in their frustration and say, you know what, what is that Jesus guy thinking? I taught him how to baptize. I mentored him. I came up with this baptism in the river thing. What's he doing over there? But not John. He didn't get caught up in all of that. John the Baptist was clear about his role and is living in the present. And he makes it clear to his disciples in that last verse when he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. What about you? What about your important relationships? Are there issues? Are there problems? Is there trouble? Are there struggles? So often we blame somebody else or we just live with the frustration rather than refocusing our energy, rather than thinking about what might we change, what might we let go of, what might we try. How might we refocus our energy to make this a better relationship? So often the healthiest thing we can do is grieve what we had hoped for so we can receive what we have sometimes we have to grieve what was lost so we can honor and enjoy what we have certainly the pandemic has given us plenty of opportunity to grieve so many different kinds of losses people have lost their lives people have lost loved ones some people have lost their health even though they survived having the virus some people have lost businesses and jobs. We've missed out on births and weddings and baptisms and funerals. We've had to postpone trips and sometimes job promotions or moves. I think of the students and how the seniors last year, they're coming up anticipating graduations and all of a sudden schools are closing and no graduations are happening and what a loss it is in their lives. Or the seniors of this year who have been so disrupted throughout these weeks and months of the pandemic. Maybe they will get to have a graduation, maybe not. But they've lost so much. 
in terms of the regular routine and celebrations. I think about all the different kind of extracurricular activities that have been canceled, whether it's music or sports or speech, trips, competitions, festivals that they would have enjoyed that would have enriched their lives, all lost because of the pandemic. And even though now it feels like we're making some progress in terms of containment, I think there's still this significant task in front of us of grieving well, of being able to give voice to what we missed, what didn't happen, what we lost, and how that hurts. That is real pain. But I think as a church community, we can help each other grieve well. We can come together and support one another. I think we've been doing it throughout the pandemic from the stories that I hear back from you. You have rallied around one another. The staff, of course, is here to help, but so much of the ministry is done amongst the congregation. But I hope that we can help one another, not try to avoid what has happened, but grieve the lost so we can celebrate what we still have and where God is leading us and what our futures might still hold. I read a book years ago about a pastor who started a church purposely to be a multi-ethnic fellowship or church community. He knew there were going to be extra problems because of clashing cultures and differences in backgrounds, and yet he was feeling called by God to start this work. So he started a church built around this idea that we could have this kind of diverse gathering of human beings becoming a Christian community. A single woman heard about what he was doing. The more she heard about it, the more she began to feel called to go and join the church and be a part of that work. So she did so. It was a wonderful experience. But then she says, after 9-11, things changed and became much more personal for her. She said that there was a man from the Middle East that began to attend services. He had been raised in Islam. Over the course of weeks and months, he finally decided he wanted to be a Christian and converted. She was able to meet him. They became acquainted. They became friends. They began to work together at the church. She says after a while, she began to think she was falling in love with him. But she said she couldn't wrap her head around it. That her whole life she had prayed to God to bring her someone to be her spouse that was like her, that would understand her, that grew up like her, that would be easily compatible with her and her family. This man was none of those things. He did not have a family like hers. He did not grow up speaking the same language or even in the same country or practicing the same religion. There were so many differences. She said she found herself worrying about what her friends were going to think that she was involved with this man from the Middle East when there was such hatred going on in our country after 9-11 for anyone who might be a part of those ethnic groups or from one of those countries. She said she even found herself in prayer saying, God, why? I've prayed my whole life for something else, and now I'm falling in love with this man who is so different. But she says as she continued to pray about it, over the course of the next several days and weeks, she began to feel like God was saying to her, this is the one. 
she said she realized she was going to have to give up what she had expected and what she had prayed for all those years if she was going to be able to receive the blessings of this relationship that came so unexpectedly. Well, when the book was written, they had been married five years. And she said at the end of her story, this is the most enriching relationship I've ever had. This is the greatest adventure of my life. But you can see how she sort of had to go through that process of grief giving up what she had expected, what she had hoped for, to be able to receive the relationship that was right there, that finally she was able to embrace as one that God intended for her to be a part of. I heard a pastor say one time at a funeral that after you die, the question's not going to be, why didn't you become great, or why didn't you become famous, or why didn't you become like so-and-so? Why didn't you become like your brother or your sister or that person you admire? None of those are going to be the questions. The question will be, I put it in your outline, why didn't you become you? Why didn't you become the person God has created you to be? The great thing we learn as we read through the pages of Scripture is that God loves imperfect people. God has created you and loves you and values you. God has made us as unique human beings. We're called to fulfill the role that we can play, not the role we see someone else playing. We're called to live out the gifts and to share the gifts God has given us for the common good, for the good of the community, to develop and utilize those to continue to seek God's calling in our lives so that we might experience the abundant life that Jen prayed about earlier in the service that God promises us through Christ. Oh, even if we're living those out, even if we're perfectly aligned with God's will, we will still experience grief and loss in this life there will still be expectations that go unmet. There will still be struggles that we have. And yet God invites us to grow through it all. Healing takes growth. Wholeness takes growth. Spiritual maturity takes growth. So often I see longtime Christians getting stuck and thinking they have done it all. They've figured it all out. My theology says God is still leading us forward. There's still more to be done. There's still more God wants to do for us and do through us in the world so that the kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. I think John the Baptist is a great example of someone who even though he's decreasing in popularity, is increasing in spiritual maturity. Listen to how he responds to those disciples in verse 28 and 29 after they question him about what's he going to do about Jesus. He says, You yourselves are my witnesses that I said I am not the Messiah, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. 
Can you hear John's clarity and how he can be joyful even though his role is changing? I put this question in your outline. How can you find joy even in changing circumstances? You're going to find if you live long enough in life, if you have relationships long enough, that they're not always going to meet your expectations. You can love a person and they can still disappoint. You can think you're clear and still be confused. Life brings us all kinds of surprises and struggles. But John is this great example that in these changing circumstances, in these shifting roles, he's still finding joy because he's clear that God is at work in all of this. Are you living in the present? Are you stuck on an old wound? Are you stuck looking at expectations that you once had or fighting about them or struggling with them? It might be time to let some of that go. It might be time to grieve the loss so that you can receive the blessing that God still has for you. It might be a time to refocus, to reorient yourselves. Lent is a season about repentance or changing of mind, of reorienting who we are and how God is at work in our lives, giving up some of the things that are obstacles to our relationship with God in Christ, repenting, allowing God to repair and help us recover and heal. It's a time of laying down some things, giving up some things, surrendering some things at times so that God can do more, so there can be new growth and new blessings come alive in our lives. Can John the Baptist help you bridge the gap between relationships you hope for and the relationships you have? you heard the story of the man who went to the doctor's office one morning early he was in the waiting room and he had been there five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes many of us have experienced this they've not called you back to the doctor's office yet or they've put you in the room but the doctor still hasn't come well this man began to get agitated and frustrated he kept checking his watch he kept going back in the hallway looking for the nurse saying is the doctor coming finally the nurse asked him what was going on he said I've got another appointment she says well where do you have to go he says I need to be at the nursing home where my wife lives I am there every day to have breakfast with her and the nurse said oh does she get really upset if you're late he said well no in fact she doesn't even know me anymore. She hasn't known me for years. And the nurse said, well, you're still going every day. You seem to be awfully worked up about getting there. If she doesn't even know you, he took a deep breath and then kind of a smile came on his face. And he said, well, even though she doesn't know who I am, I still know who she is. Put this at the bottom of your outline. The happiest people don't necessarily have the best of everything. They just make the best of everything they have. Amen. And thanks be to God.